next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. Once again, we're jumping right into the middle of the action here in the Gospel of John, chapter 18. We're in verse 19 where Jesus had been arrested and Peter had already begun that historical slide into denying that he knew Jesus and rejecting his relationship with him. In verse 19 says the high priest therefore asked Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. I said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask what you have heard me, what I have said to them. Behold, they know the things which I said. Now the high priest here begins to dig, uh, trying to acquire information here. He starts by quizzing Jesus on his doctrine and his followers. The Sanhedrin, at this point in the storyline, had not been assembled yet. So this was not in any way a real or legal trial, at least at this point, and really nowhere in this whole uh, fiasco. But in fact, merely asking Jesus herein as he was being asked, just merely asking Jesus the questions that the high priest asked him was an illegal act. You see, there was a provision in their law, just like today, which allows a person not to incriminate oneself. But the high priest apparently wanted to know what he was up against. So Jesus reminds the high priest that what he, that is Jesus, did, he did openly and he did publicly. He was not out organizing some sort of secret army to somehow overthrow the government and gain earthly power. Now, unlike Peter, who was outside at that moment telling lies, Jesus was still in the open telling the truth, just as he always had. Now, that's the thing about warming oneself around the fires of the enemy. It's always done in the dark and in the secret. That's proof, you see, that The actions are wrong. It's also proof that the guilty party knows that those actions are wrong. Such acts of treason are notoriously done in whispers and in the shadows. And those who are party to such, no, they'll not come out into the open. Not even today will they step into the light and speak their words. But Jesus did. Jesus, it seems, well, he had the smoking gun. He encouraged the high priest to simply go and ask all those who heard him speak. This is why we must always deal with conflict in the open, in the light of day. This is why we, as a church, try to do so whenever we are faced with such difficult situations. And verse 22 says, When he had said this, one of the officers standing by slapped Jesus with his hands, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, testify of the evil. But if well, why do you beat me? And Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. (laughs) You know, this is the classic response to truth, isn't it? It's the classic response to truth by those who simply don't want the truth. And that is they lash out in attack mode. And Jesus, however, 
just stands by the truth anyway. You see, his position was that if he had been lying, well, then bring it on. But notice that no one was, or is, much interested in that. No, they want to silence the truth, and they'll use force, violence, lies, and religious pressures to try to make that happen, both then and in our day. Verse 25 says, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they said therefore to him, You aren't also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Hey, didn't I see you in the garden with him? Verse 27, Peter therefore denied it again, and immediately the rooster crowed. So it all just plays out just as Jesus had said, just as he had previously warned Peter that it would. And Peter either didn't believe it, or he simply ignored its reality. Can you even imagine that moment for Peter? That moment when the rooster crowed and he realized what he had done? I mean, the anguish of that moment must have been simply overwhelming. Suddenly, Peter must have realized that he had become a Judas. You see, there had been two Judases that night, two betrayals that night, one in the person of Judas and the other in Peter. One of these guys would prove he ultimately was not a child of God, and the other would prove that despite his failure, despite his stumble, that he was. And one would die in eternal humiliation, and the other would weep in repentance. Buried beneath the eternal aspects of of what was going on inside, the events happening before the high priest, we need to not miss that there was a smaller, more personal story going on just outside for just two guys. Two men at the crossroads of their eternal lives. Both would manifest their true spiritual standing. And you know it takes a while, but we will all get to that moment It's dramatic, it's incredibly pressured, and the outcome? Well, the outcome changes everything forever. For Peter, the rooster crowed to signal his guilt, but he also crowed to express something else, and that was that night had come to an end, and it was a brand new day. Following Jesus' resurrection, Christ would seek out Peter individually and specifically. He dealt with Peter in chapter 21 and he would commission him back into ministry. Then on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who would stand up and preach the word. And 3,000 people would be saved. Verse 28 says they led Jesus before Caiaphas into the praetorium. It was early and they themselves didn't enter into the praetorium that they may not be defiled but might uh, still eat the Passover. Pilate therefore went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Now, the passage before us encompasses a plethora of people who wanted to avoid responsibility for their actions. Lots of these people are still around today. 
It's my ex-wife's fault. It's the problem with my parents. I have to because I'm broke. Uh, you don't understand the situation. I didn't have any other choice, etc., etc. The self-righteous position of the people that night, it was staggering. They were more concerned about ceremonial purity than they were about actual justice. You know, people can be as guilty of such now as they were then, when we're still more concerned with religious practice and our religious uh, position and our traditions than we are about people and about redemption and grace and forgiveness and restoration. I mean, these people, they, they wanted to throw Jesus under the bus, but they weren't willing to dirty their hands to see it get done. You see, God forbade that they enter the enter into the house of a Gentile or that they would be unclean. But apparently, I guess murder was an acceptable practice. Man has hidden behind the cloak of religion to cover their evil for a very long time. Verse 30 says, They answered him, If this man weren't an evildoer, we wouldn't have delivered him up to you. Now, quite simply, these folks were lying. Lying is something that comes very natural to mankind today. It embodies the selfish and the unredeemed lifestyle. Lying is, I guess, the greatest of the need basis sins, meaning sins that are wrong unless you really need to commit them. You know, in order to save your hide or, or if the end justifies the means. Frankly, lying is a very acceptable sin in the religious community today. These people, that day with Jesus, they would lie in order to see the desire to rid themselves of this convicting spiritual element actually come to pass. Pilate, well, he simply wanted to know what Jesus had done. And the answer of the people was vague and was nebulous. The fact was they simply wanted Pilate to execute Jesus, well, because they said so. They believed themselves to be able to stand upon the history of their own credibility, which was lousy, by the way, but they thought it was exemplary. It would happen sort of like this. Hey, come on, Pilate. I mean, this guy's obviously guilty, or we wouldn't have said so, right? You see, their truth was not reality. Rather, whatever it was that came out of their mouths was their reality. This is still the way a lot of people operate today. Things like proof and evidence and witnesses. All of these things are very secondary because, hey, it's the truth because we say so. And these people were avoiding the truth because, frankly, it cost too much to acknowledge. Matthew 23, verses 23 and 25 to 25 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe, but... You've neglected the weightier matters, uh, matters of the law, things like justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgent. So, once again, quite simply, they were lying. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.